Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. If you thought that Jacksonville's statement on Urban Meyer was going to put an end to this whole thing, you could not have been more wrong because the Urban Liar Express just keeps rolling right along. I mean, sure, it's not good. Actually, it's below not good. Actually, below not good. It's one of the most jacked up things ever for a head coach. When the team owner has to issue a statement that calls your actions, quote, inexcusable, and then concludes with, quote, now he must regain our trust and our respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports, represents, or plays for our team. I am confident he will deliver. End of quote. The dreaded vote of confidence from the boss when the team is struggling. I mean, that's bad. If you get a vote of confidence from the boss, that's one thing. But then there's this. Then there's the, there is no excuse for you embarrassing yourself and this organization, and we no longer trust or respect you. Hammer job from the owner. Not very often you hear an owner go in on a coach like that. In fact, I've never heard it. And yet somehow Herb managed to put himself in that very position. That is not easy to do. But Urban Liar pulled it off. You never want a statement like that to be issued about you, especially when you're only four games in as the coach. And you've lost all four of those games. You never want that. Just like you never want tweets like the thread from Mike Silver coming out about you as well. You do not want a tweet about you that includes, quote, One player told me he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with, end quote. (laughs) Not even zero credibility in that locker room, but zero credibility in that stadium. Like zero credibility in that state. Like zero credibility in this country. Like zero credibility on the planet. Zero credibility Period. You don't want that. Just like you don't want another tweet which reads, quote, players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over the videos of him and a young woman getting cozy in that Ohio bar. He even canceled the team meeting. He was too scared, a player said, end of quote. And when you do reportedly apologize to position groups, you don't want this coming out. Quote, said one player, we looked at him like WTF. Right when he left, everyone started dying laughing. And he knew it. End quote. Man, that is so brutal and incredible and totally understandable. Players, quote, dying laughing at the guy when he tried to apologize. That's like the most amazing NFL thing I think I've ever heard. Four games into his NFL career, and the alleged coaching icon has not only completely lost his players, but they are, quote, dying laughing at him. (laughs) Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be laughing at this guy? He's a joke to them. He got busted on multiple videos for doing the very thing that he tells them not to do. And then he got caught lying about it as well. Of course they're going to clown him. Of course they're going to lose all respect for him. They probably were clowning him and had lost respect for him even before he came off the rails in Columbus. Like, I guarantee that guy had next to no respect from that team even before those vids went viral, and then he lied about them. And if that's the case, how could he have any left credibility as of right now? And more importantly, how the hell is he going to re-earn their respect if he ever even had it to begin with? He was never right in that spot. He never looked comfortable. The team never looked prepared. And of course, he came completely unhinged when they started to lose, just like everybody knew he would. Of course, his body language was terrible. Of course, his language was even worse when he started to puke up all that nonsense about how devastating it all was, how heartbreaking it all is, about how there were all these good people in that locker room. 
Like all that nonsense that worked for him on the college level was never going to fly on Sundays. But he just doesn't get it. He's not built for it. And that was pretty clear after their meltdown against the Bengals dropped him to 0-4. Because why? What did he do? Instead of grinding film and working with his staff on the trip to the airport and on the flight back to Jacksonville, like every other coach in the history of the world, in preparation for their next game, a game, by the way, against the Titans, coached by a division rival, or I should say a division rival coached by a former assistant, instead of doing what every other coach does, he bailed. He quit. He gave up and he went to go get drunk and let some co-ed grind. Went to hang out with his grandkids. You know, and then lied about it. If you want to come in here and tell me that people are being too harsh on this guy for the videos with that younger woman, that's cool, that's fine. In fact, I'd even agree with you. I'm not caught up in that. I'm not reveling in that. I really don't care that much about that at all. I would imagine that's caused a tremendous amount of pain to the people he loves, but that's not the issue here for me. The issue is that for the first time anybody could ever remember who has ever covered the NFL, a head coach skipped a team flight and prepping for the next game so he could hang out with his friends and his family for a while. Like, he quit on the job, on his players, on everything. The guy was getting stacks and stacks and stacks of cash to make the jump to the NFL and demanding accountability, responsibility, discipline, and execution from everybody around him. And then the second adversity hits, he crumbles, and he shows none of that himself. There's a word for that. That word is freaking hypocrite. And again, why did he abandon the fight? Why did he quit on his team? Because hashtag buddy deserved a night out. I mean, forget the videos. That this is the worst part. He thought that after losing every game to start the season, he deserved a night out. He thought it'd be all right to just quit and not work. And could you imagine, for instance, turn this thing on its head. What if... Trevor Lawrence skipped the team flight and instead went to hang out in his old stomping ground in Clemson? What if Trev went back to Clemson and put on a Clemson pullover to hang out with some co-eds? You think Herb would have been okay with that? Yeah, doubt that. And by the way, the photos and the videos, they're not even from Thursday night. That wasn't like some late night party after the game. It was the following night. So that's a long time for a head coach to be away from the facility during the season, especially a season that's already come off the rails. Then again, the fact that Myers stepped in it once again is nothing new. It happens everywhere he goes. It's the same script from Florida and Ohio State, except this time he flipped the script. Normally, he has a ton of success, and then the scandal hits, and then the lying really begins. This time, though, he skipped the success and went straight to the scandal and the lie. Busted right out of the gate with the scandal and the terrible decisions and the bad losses. Like, he's the coach of an 0-4 football team and has been in over his head since he got there. I'd be stunned if he had much credibility before the video dropped. I can't imagine he's got any left right now. And how do you earn that back, honestly? How is he going to earn that back? Because the way he's rolling right now sure is not helping. And then you got that screen cap circulating a mire. Have you seen this? The screen cap from his analyst days, breaking down the criteria to examine struggling teams. These are the things he put up himself. Number one, trust issues. Number two, dysfunctional environment. Number three, selfishness. Nailed it, Gramps. Are there trust issues there? Hell yes. The owner said so in a statement. We don't trust you. You got to earn our respect back. Is it a dysfunctional environment? Hell yes. The players are laughing their asses off about him. Is he selfish? Selfish as hell if he's sending his team and the coaches home after their fourth loss in a row, but he's running back to his old stomping grounds to get his drink and his grind on. Hang out with the grandkids. We're talking about a guy who loves to talk about leadership, integrity, 
and character, yet is showing none. Didn't he once teach a course on leadership and integrity and character? This dude is so far in over his head. Also, didn't he say, like, it's going to come down to whether or not his veterans are able to lead in the next game? Now he's putting it on the players? The players that have no respect for him? So now what? Now he's got to beg them for their forgiveness? Now he's got to beg them for their buy-in? But they're too busy laughing their asses <laughs> off at him to hear anything he has to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. At this point, why would Shad Khan keep this guy around? For what? What is he getting? Zero wins. The awesomeness of a head coach who bailed on his team one month into the season to hang out with his family. Like, why? Why do you want this guy? Because it's so great to have the team dragged through the mud and have your own players laughing at your head coach? I mean, honestly, why is he still there? Is it a matter of just legal issues and you don't want to fire him because you have to scratch him a big check? Do you not want to admit that you made a terrible decision in the first place? Because, like, on some level, everybody knows this is who Urban Meyer is. This is the guy who led a class on leadership and character at Ohio State. This is what you get when you bring him in. It's just that normally you get wins before all this crap starts happening. So tell me once again, why is he still the head coach in Jacksonville? It's not because of results, and it's not because the players love him and trust him and respect him and will go to battle for him. I mean, the reports would indicate that none of that is true. So why is he still there? Based on the hope and the dream that somehow he can turn this thing around? I mean, again, what evidence has there been that that's going to happen? And even if he does, you're just waiting for the next scandal. You're waiting for the next time that Urban goes Urban. When will Herb go Herb again? And when he does, is he going to throw his other good players under the bus? Like James Robinson or Josh Allen? Better yet, you know what he should do? If they're not going to fire this guy and they don't want to buy him out, he should just stay in Ohio. At least there, he has more than no credibility. He can just stay there, Zoom all of the coaches' meetings, Zoom all of the practices, have a ball boy run around the field with an iPad, and then just fly in for games on Sunday. Then he can fly back to Ohio, rock the Buckeye gear all week long, and then go to the grocery store and hopefully give or get the cashier to give him the attention and the love that he wants. Then maybe he can go to the gas station and maybe take some pics with some fans. Pump gas, Herb, not co-ed. Hang out with the grandkids. I mean, <laughs> wow. So are you craving some protein after a good workout? I know I am. This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Tyler Boyd is my guest. Tyler, good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, bro. Appreciate y'all for having me. Dude, it's great to have you. All right, so you had a huge performance in that comeback win over Jacksonville. What's it like to get a win like that and then get some extra time to rest and recover for Green Bay this week? How's that feel? Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's an even longer week for us to get our bodies right, you know, especially going into a, a huge game uh, like we are against the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, hopefully we just get every guy that's on this team that's a starter, uh, healthy and ready to go. That's it. Tyler Boyd joining us. I want to ask you about the relationship you have with Joe Burrow. Like, he was looking your way a lot throughout that game, and the two of you were really productive. There's one catch in particular I want to ask you about, and that was one on third down in the fourth quarter. I'm still not sure how you caught that ball. The defender had his hands on you. You caught it with your elbow and your shoulder. How did you pull that off? Oh, man, you know, I just uh, we, I give a lot of credit to Troy, you know, and all the coaches I practice. You know, we always work a lot of uh, – catching in traffic and with guys pulling and tugging on us, you know, so, uh, I mean, we, 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 we practice it every day, you know, so when, when, when my number's called and, and then it's a particular position I was in, like, in the game, you know, I got to come up with it, you know, especially on third downs, we don't get them chances back, so, 
you know, I just want to make all my chances count. I was going to say that. I mean, that was a huge first down, given that you guys were trailing. But it felt like nearly every reception you had, you managed to turn into a first down. So what's your mindset as soon as you get the ball in your hands? Uh, just yacht. You know, I don't want to just catch a five-yard route, six-yard route, and turn around and get tackled. You know, I want to, you know, because I'm, I'm working a slot a lot, you know. So I want to catch that ball and just, and just get what I can and go, you know, and continue to move the change, you know, and give our coach uh, other options you know, and, and give us in better situations of calling uh, better plays on first and second down, you know, so because if I'm keep getting third, I mean, first down off every catch, you know, I make, I make his job easier. Tyler Boyd is joined by the chemistry you have right now with the quarterback, Joe Burrow, on the field and especially on third down. How would you describe the chemistry the two of you guys have? I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of lights out, you know, I think I got a great feel for him and, and he got a great feel for me. You know, he understands exactly where he wants me to be, you know, at in times and in certain coverages and, you know, me being the elite player that I am, you know, I understand coverage as well and I understand the positions I need to put myself in and get to an, an area of the field to uh, make that happen, you know. So just for chemistry is just keep evolving and evolving because it be some plays where um, I'm supposed to be in a certain spot, but then the linebacker may carry to that spot. So I may, I may just wrap inside of him, you know, to give it a better window for him. And he, he sees it just like I run it. It's kind of like he's, like it's like we both got uh, the the headset in our helmets, and he's telling me what to do as the players going on. So I think we got a great chemistry. Tyler Boyd is joining us, dude. I agree with you. I think you are an elite player, but there's something <laughs> else, man. Aside from what you bring to it, there's also like this intangible element. Like your head coach Zach Taylor was talking about your importance to the team. He said that he could not do it justice, and that he would understate it. But he took a shot and he said, "Quote leadership and consistency." As he walks in this building every single day, we define. Bengal as fat, physical, hungry, accountable teammate who is willing yep. to get the job done, and that's Tyler Boyd. End of quote. What's it mean to you to hear that from your head coach? And then how do you approach that leadership aspect? Oh, you know, it, it, mean, it means a lot to me, you know, because that's what our whole team want to symbolize. You know, and I know sometimes guys might not feel like Tigerson or guys, you know, might come in not feeling it. But, you know, I come in each and every day the same way, with the same attitude. You know, I always come in uh, – joking around with guys, getting guys into it, wanting to be around guys, you know, and just uh, encouraging, all, encouraging all the younger guys and guys who might not be a captain or, 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 or don't think that they're in a position where they feel like um, they're not really helping the team, you know. So, so I mean, we're, we're uh, going to go is our, our weakest player, you know, and we don't feel like we have a weak link in any position. So I think for me, I just got to continue to uh, keep guys rolling and keep them coming with me. Tyler Boyd joining us. And you've been through some tough seasons with that team, and you've endured a lot of losses. What's it feel like to be on a team that's in first place and proving that it can find a way to win even when things are tough? Uh, it feels great. You know, I think we all worked our tails off to be in this position. You know, it wasn't never handed to us, you know, despite uh, being an 0-3 Jacksonville team, you know, because every game in the National Football League is hard. It's hard, it's hard to win games, you know. But at the end of the day, uh, I know me, myself, and the guys around us, we're not satisfied. You know, we're not going to take – Three game, three winning games uh, for granted, you know. So we want to go out there and beat the teams who everybody's saying is going to be in a championship game, you know. Because if, if we could go out there and we can outperform those guys, then there and then there we go. Then guys will start to give us the respect we deserve, and we'll start to uh, know actually how good we really can be. All right, so as we mentioned, you got a couple of extra days to get ready for Green Bay, a chance to kind of rest and recover and get your bodies right. When you look at Green Bay and think about Green Bay, what are your early thoughts about that matchup? Uh, I mean, just just thinking about Green Bay as a whole, you know, you, first of all, you start with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he, he's, man, he, he he's one of the best in, in the game to do it. You know, I grew up watching him dice up defenses and, and, and winning a lot of games, you know, and just, um, and, and Devontae Adams, you know, he's one of the best route runners, one of the best receivers in my eyes, because that's a guy that I, I watch a lot. I kind of kind of mimic my game a little bit off of him in terms of how he release and how he separate. But um, on, on the back end with the defense, you know, I think um, – that's 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 where we gotta take advantage of it. You know, I they I think they're a little banged up over there. One of their uh, rushers has had back, back surgery, and then uh, Joe Alexander he just got hurt. I'm not sure what happened or if he's gonna play. But if those guys are out, we gotta take full advantage of them, and we gotta put those guys in binds where they're not comfortable being in. So I mean, as long as we go in there and, and execute our plays and 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 start how we finish the second half of the Jacksonville game, I believe we won't be stopped. Tyler Boyd joining us. I thought there's really high respect you had for Devontae Adams, understandably so. And you mentioned that you actually kind of watch him and pattern some of what you do after him. Who are some of the other guys? Is there a guy or two, another guy, 
a wide receiver that you respect, you admire, that you watched? That I mean, you're your own guy, but somebody that you respect right. that you can mention? Right. Uh, well, just coming into the league, uh, other than Devontae Adams, I think Keenan Allen was a, was one of the guys that I most felt uh, in myself, you know, because we kind of play the same. We, we know how to run intermediate routes. We know how to get open. Uh, we're, we're we're not blazing speed guys, you know, but we know how to get o- open and we understand um, how to how to u- utilize our abilities in different uh, coverages and, and things like that, you know. So I think uh, he he's one of the other key guys other than Devontae. Tyler, dude, you are a good guy to watch and a great guy to talk to. I'm so glad you and I came together. Like, Absolutely. better better late than never, but let's be sure we do this again <laughs> real soon. I, I have great respect. I appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate you for having me, bro. Hey, check this. From the very first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately was like, ah, this is incredible. This is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I'm telling you, I never actually look forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair, and now I do. Fact. You tell me this. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? Mine can because I've got an X chair. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can, and it's all in the L Max Massage and Temperature Regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel that customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never ever be happy in any other chair ever again. Take my advice try X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and get 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairrome.com. We do it every Wednesday. All right, once again, I'm looking for your beef. It can be anything you want. I'll give you a sample. These are a little bit too long. Hey, Chuck, cut these down next time. My beef is with people, Rome, who say they're too busy to stay in shape. Breaking news. You are not too busy to stay in shape. You are too lazy to make it work in your schedule. If you have enough time to stuff that burger and fries down your throat every day, then you probably have time to do 15 minutes of something that benefits your body. Just say you are too lazy to stay in shape and save your breath. Jeff from PDX agreed. Jim, my beef is walking to the front of my driveway or to the front front door of a business and having to wade through all the cigarette butts that these loser smokers throw on the ground or out their car window. Who do you think is going to pick up your filthy butts? Where do you think those nasty things are going to go? How about you stop littering the streets and sidewalks with your nasty, filthy trash and dispose of it properly? BZ in Pensacola. I can add to that. My beef is coming down my driveway the other day and seeing dog crap on it. Yeah, because that dog crap was going to pick itself up. Because that dog that dumped that growler on my driveway was going to put his own growler in that little blue bag. Man, pick it up. Pick it up. I understand that they're going to have waste. Man, pick up your dog excrement. Don't leave it on my driveway. Hey, Rome, my beef is with my neighbor. This hippie kook is never home, but has 50 million wind chimes hanging all over her trees and house, so the rest of us have to listen to them clanging around all day. Chad from Orlando. I love it. We've done this beef segment now for months I love a new beef. That's a good one. Hippie kook. Hey, Vance. Mac. My beef is with the bag at the gym that ties up a weight machine for literally 45 minutes. While he walks around the gym floor, pretending to look important on his phone, he has all this stuff on the machine, his drink bottle, his towels. He pops on the machine every five to 10 minutes to do a few reps. Then it's back on his phone. Hey, loser. Do your sets and move on. Chris in Arkansas. Rome. My beef is with the three-hole punch at work. 
Wow. Why is it that every time I empty the damn thing, it's Happy New Year's with confetti all over my desk? Inventors, please find a more convenient way to empty that freaking thing. Steven from the Northwest. (laughs) Bro, are you still using a three-hole punch? Do you carry that stuff around in your little peachy folder? Remember those things? Peachy folders? Let's see. Shagnut 2021 tweets. My beef is with these damn phone companies and their smartphones. Making a phone that can record video, always getting someone in trouble, just visiting the fam for the weekend. Signed, Urban in Jax. That's devastating. I can't believe this dude bought himself another segment tomorrow. That's devastating. Romy. My beef is with waiters and waitresses asking if I have any room for dessert after driving a 20-ounce slab of prime rib, five cups of mashed potatoes smothered in a half a gallon of country gravy, and a loaf of the starter bread. Are you calling me fat? Fat! Good one, Mike. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is that the CBS Sports Network does not even air here in Calgary, meaning I can't see who the worst-dressed member of the XR4TI is now that Hawk is gone. War men who wear purple suits. War lady clones. Bella B in Calgary. War lady clones. War you, B. War you, B. She's talking about me in my purple suit this past Sunday. Rome. My beef is with Major League Baseball teams having to celebrate every win in the postseason with champagne and a beer shower. What exactly are you celebrating? Just because you won one game to get into the playoffs does not mean you're the best team in the world. How stupid do you look celebrating one win to just go ahead and lose the next series? Jesse and Lincoln. Jim, my beef is with oranges. They're a pain to peel. They make your hands stink, and they do nothing for your hunger. Signed, Casey in New Hampshire. War, orange you glad I didn't say bananas. Rome Slice. My beef is with likes to literally throw the bone guy. I get a finger when dude passes me, even though I'm already going, five over the limit in the right lane. Easy. D. Earnhardt, your fat little girlfriend can wait. Fat. Wow. Rum slice. What's my beef? When your boss sends you an email that says, when you have a second, come see me. Dude, you're giving me a panic attack. Am I getting a raise? Am I getting fired? At least give me a small description so I'm not walking into this ambush blind. G. Off and Lincoln. You know what, Geoff? I feel you. I get those phone calls once in a while where like, hey, can you call me? Can you give me an idea what it's about? I feel you. At T-Rob Actor tweets, my beef is with the pedestrian who stops in the middle of the crosswalk to make sure I'm yielding for him after I've already stopped to let him cross the street. Just walk, dude, before I change my mind. <laughs> Easy, Rob. Hey, Rome, I got a beef. With that stupid 37-foot-tall wall in Fenway Park. Signed, all the crybaby Yankee fans. Yeah, he didn't have a problem with it when Bucky Dent got over it. Aaron in Iowa. Rome, my beef is with my UPS customers that ask me, What's in the box? The hell if I know. I didn't order it. We deliver the packages. We don't open them and check out your stuff. Probably your wife's adult toy that she was hoping to get while you were at work. Central Maine, UPS driver John. John, you are the leader in the clubhouse. At a boy, hey, John. Johnny. Hey, John. Good hey, John. beef. Probably your wife's adult toy that she was hoping to get while you were at work. 
Hello, Jim. My beef is with the dude who leaves his shopping cart while in line at the grocery store to get more items. If you are stupid enough to get in line and not get everything you came to shop for, then you need to get out of line, brah. Jeff from PDX. Sometimes I shop with Jano. She does that a lot. We'll be in line. Oh, I got to go get something. Let's see. Let's go to the phones. We go to Snowbird. Mike and Snowbird. What's going on, Mike? Jim, what's going on? I got a beef with a couple guys for this, but I'll single out Aaron Judge. And not for getting thrown out at home, he'd lose a foot race with Sergeant Schultz. But for in our sports world, there is only one number 99. And it ain't you, Judge. You couldn't shine Wayne's shoes. You're not good enough to wash his laundry. Hell, you're not good enough to clean up after his dogs. It's not a real good beef, Mike, honestly. You got a problem with anybody. It's Phil Nevin. What's he doing waving this guy home, man? Like the catcher, the catcher was holding the ball before he even rounded third. Like what did Nevin see on that? Let's go to Mike in Tampa. Mike, what's your beef? Well, me. Mike. My beef beef is with uh, sports bars. When you request a game to be put on, they turn around and ask you what channel number that is. Why on earth would I know what your cable package is? It's not like I'm sitting in an olive garden slamming beers looking for the MLS game of the week. You're a sports bar. Have a list of the 10 or so channels behind the bar, reference it, and figure it out. Late. Nice job, Mike. Well done. I like that. You're a sports bar. How do you not know, man? I don't know what cable system you have or what satellite deal you have. That's good. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Green Bay. Brian in Green Bay. Good to have you, Brian. What is your beef? Uh, Jim, my, my beef is, guys, when they find out it's your birthday, and they're like, oh, so you're one year closer to dying. It's like, yeah, thanks, clown. Why don't you call me every morning and say, hey, you're one day closer to death. I appreciate it. My man, nice job, Brian. Good job. The beef calls are good so far. I did say earlier today they're not as good as social generally, but they are today. Hey, happy birthday. You're one year closer to death. Thanks, a-hole. It's like, why don't you call me every single day and just say it? You're one day closer to death. You're one hour closer to death. You're one minute closer to death. You're dead. One eight hundred six three six eight six eight six. Let's this time go to Council Bluffs. I've been there, Jim, in Council Bluffs. Jim, what's your beef? What is up, Jim? What's up, dude? Hey, I've, I've got a, a beef. It's actually with uh, your show. Uh, with all due respect, uh, I watch you all the time, or, or listen to you all the time, and uh, but but I don't need to see the clones pictures on your show i mean uh i appreciate the fact that they send them in but uh uh you know i don't need to see what brad looks like or what what uh, uh the guy in buffalo looks like uh but uh, i'm glad you got your show and i listen to you guys all the time all right jim i appreciate that his beef is why are you putting pictures up of the clones i can answer that jim because it makes me look better have you seen these people That's a funny beef. I like listening to your show. I just don't want, I just don't want to know what the callers look like. Appreciate you, Jim. Let me drop some stats on you. Did you know two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35? Did you know that more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness? Did you know that there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss? And did you know that Keeps offers both? Now you do. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your front door every three months, and you do not even need to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatment starting at only 10 bucks per month, and Keeps offers generic versions and discreet packaging and proven results. What more could you ask for? Well, how about this? Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move right now. 
If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, just go to keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get that first month free. keeps.com slash Rome. Bubba Wallace is my guest. Bubba, it's great to have you on. How are you? What's going on, man? Pleasure to be back on with you. Great to have you back, Bubba. In fact, I got to ask you, considering what the last week or so has been like, what has it been like the last few days for you and everybody around you? <laughs> it's actually been okay. Um, I'm currently at um, a fellow competitor of mine, Corley Joy, good friend of mine, his uh, charity kickball tournament, his inaugural kickball tournament. So we're down here in downtown Kannapolis. Our team just lost, so I'm, I'm a loser right now. That's, that's how quick competition in sports are you one minute you're on cloud nine the next you're uh, losing in a kickball tournament and it feels like i just lost the race my man that's great <laughs> bubba wallace is joining us that is so good all right take me back to talladega for a minute if you would you had a lot of speed at times and you had that second place finish at daytona in late august so going into talladega did you know that you had something special in you yeah you know i had this feeling jim that uh the same feeling that i had uh in 2013 when we won our truck race uh, first truck race, which happened to be in October, late in the season. So had that same feeling. Uh, I wish it would have came about a few years ago, but, hey, um, can't got to practice patience at all times. But um, just knew it was going to be a good day, and I had all the confidence in the world that we were going to win. And so um, it uh, ended up happening. So I actually have a couple texts to, that I called it uh, before the race, and, and it, was, uh, it was pretty special. So proud of everybody at 2311, uh, all of our partners. It's, it's really cool to get McDonald's back in victory lane. They've done a lot for me uh, in my career in the Cup Series, and so it's been since 1994 for them, and um, it's uh, it's special. All of our partners, Toyota, Root, uh, DoorDash, Columbia, Dr. Pepper, I mean, everybody won on, on Monday. Bubba Wallace is joining us, a big win on Monday. So you drive through a crash and then to the front of the field, and you were leading before the second rain stoppage. Brad Keselowski said afterwards, quote, I was thinking, oh, geez, I wish I had made that move. His was the right move at the right time. End of quote. Did you make that move knowing that that could be a move that won it for you? Did you know the significance of that move at that time? No. I, I honestly, what I was being told, and, and I actually go back and listen to uh, to the race broadcast a little bit and hear my spotter telling me, like, light raindrops. But I thought that was already after the caution came out uh, because before we were just racing to the end of the stage, and, and all I knew was we had two Penske cars who were really good on speedways uh, behind me and that it was they were going to do whatever it took to uh, to get me out of the way. And so I was just trying to control my own destiny, and it ended up working out. So. Uh, Freddie, Freddie Kraft, my spotter, did an awesome job on the roof telling me where the runs were coming, and um, anyway, it worked out for us. We're talking to Bubba Wallace. Bubba, you mentioned that as great a day as it was, you know, part of you wished it had come sooner, but you got to practice patience. Fact yep. of the matter is, you'd been battling in the Cup Series and grinding. I mean, grinding to get that first win. Now that you have it, does it feel the way you thought it would? Uh, it it does. Um, you know, I, 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 I always said you know growing up I, I didn't I didn't um dream of, of being where I'm at today but the last couple of years I've been having dreams of winning a cup race and it didn't it wasn't a specific track but it was just going through the motion victory lane doing burnouts and stuff so I was I wasn't able to uh do burnouts or, or the main victory lane but um it was it was still just as powerful just as special uh, as any win that I've had in my career. So um, just uh, thanks for the opportunity. That's interesting. You know, man, it's it doesn't matter who you are. It is hard to win, man. It is really, really hard to win. Like, you have numerous Truck Series wins, but you've been battling for that first Cup Series win. I remember talking to Dale Jr. during his run where he was going without a win and what it was like to be a competitor and how it can really grind on you. How did you manage to not let it wear you down, and how did you manage and handle that part of the process? Well, it's it's definitely tough, you know, from the mental side of things. You know, there's been plenty of times where I wanted to give it up and and pursue something else. Didn't really know what that was. So that part of not knowing what I would do would motivate me to uh, keep trying, keep showing up each and every weekend. And uh, when you have the right people around you uh, at home and at the racetrack, uh, they support you to uh, through the through the ups and downs and push you. You know, when you are down, push you to be better and and uh, to be a leader and and um, and just show up and put your game face on because you never know when moments like this can happen. And you always have to be ready for it because you never know when it's your last. So, Bubba, the win means that you're the first black driver since 1963 to win a Cup Series race. What does that aspect mean to you? Uh, it's crazy. Um, 
uh, I mean, just, just powerful, you know. There's, uh, there's obviously been a lot that has gone on um, in the last year and some change in our sport for the better, more, uh, more diversity, more inclusion, just more just uh, compassion and understanding for one another. And we still got a long way to go. Uh, but I think this helps. This, you know, representation matters for sure, uh, especially inside of our sport. So it's all of those young kids that are watching that want to drive cars really fast on Sunday or Monday, whatever it may be and come out and compete, you know, this is one's for them, and I'll just go out and continue to do the best that I can and continue to rack up more wins. We're talking to Bubba Wallace. Jordan Bianchi, Bubba of The Athletics, spoke to a number of your fans and some short track drivers as well and asked them what that win meant to them and how emotional they got when it became official. Like, what does it feel like to know that you're having that kind of an impact on so many people? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's special. Um you know, we're, we're all racers and we're all competitors and we were all really hard on each other and, and we don't like to show our, uh, our human side. You know, we always have our guard up and we walk around like tough guys, but it's cool to know that to have that support from the, from the grassroots level. Um, so wish them all the best. All right, so a couple of things really quickly before you go. We talked about the 2311 team. You're driving for a team started by Michael Jordan and Danny Hamlin, of course. I've talked to Denny about this a little bit, but what's it been like to get the team off the ground in such a short period of time? He's talked to me about that. What's that been like for you? Uh, it's been a lot of work, that's for sure. Um, I mean, November, uh, I think October, November was when it all kind of came about. And, you know, showing up at, at Daytona for our first race, qualifying forward for the Daytona 500, uh, it, it spoke volumes to uh, to who we have, you know, running our deal and uh, our owners and just the, the personnel that we have. Everybody back at the shop does a, does a great job. We work really hard. And, you know, I don't know if you ever get caught up uh, to what you're chasing in this sport. I think you're always behind, but that's why you always got to keep pushing and keep pushing your your uh, your peers and the people that work beside you. Everybody at the shop pushes each other to be the best that they can be, and it, and it, and it just trickles its way down throughout the whole organization. So, Got to keep going. We got Kurt coming over next year, which is exciting for us. He's going to bring a lot of knowledge and experience over, so it'll expedite that process. And then one last thought, Bubba, in terms of the guys you work for, like Danny was pretty emotional after that win. What's it been like to work with him, and how does it feel to get him and Michael their first win as owners? Yeah, no, that's special for them. Um, you know, Denny's one of the best uh, uh, plate racers out there, um, and so being able to watch him, listen to what he does, uh, to, to be successful on the plate tracks, I definitely took that into consideration and, and studied up on that, read over our notes, and I was able to, to beat him out. I beat out the boss, so that was, uh, that was cool. And obviously MJ is just pumped. He, he wants to win and everything, so it's cool to be able to bring Michael Jordan his first win in NASCAR. That is cool. He is the driver of the number 23 car for the 2311 team. We'll be back in action Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Bubba, congrats. Congrats on the win. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for making time for us, as always, Bubba. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights into saving money and reaching your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. J.D. McKissick is my guest. J.D., great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you. Thanks so much. A lot that I want to cover with you, but we got to start with that game-winning TD on Sunday. You guys were down, and it was third and seven on the Atlanta 30-yard line, 45 seconds left for those who missed it. What was the plan on that play, and what was going through your head as it unfolded? Uh, the plan was to get the ID from Chase, our center, and you know find out who I had to block. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any protection, so I was I was leaking out of the backfield to get into my route. Um, I kind of got caught up and, you know, kind of 
bumped um, where I got a chip block on Grady Jarrett. Um, I kind of got lost into it. I think when I came out of the backfield, every play Deion Jones kind of had me man to man. Uh, when I got caught up in the backfield, I think he kind of lost. I, he lost me. Um, I ran my sneak route, and I kind of seen Taylor scramble to the left. Um, we made eye contact, and I felt and I felt that there was no one over there, and he felt that he gave me a chance to to win, and you know. I, um, I, I took the opportunity and I scored the touchdown. All right, so that right there is a great description. One final thought on that. You're sprinting down the sideline. You take off on a dive that looked like it started around the five-yard line. You go flying into the end zone. I mean, what was it like when you nailed that landing and you scored to take the lead? Man, it was great, man. I, when I was running, um, I seen that the two defenders, they were closing in pretty good. Um, and I knew if I just kept running, it was a, it was a chance that two guys could push me out of bounds. Um, and when I when I played in Memphis back in 2013, I dove over a guy, so I knew it was it was possible, it was capable. Um, I was capable of doing it. So um, when I knew whenever I got the chance in the NFL, I wanted to show that I could still do it. Uh, so I just took flight, man, and you know, and, and got the touchdown and try to close the game up. Quote, I just took I flight. Successful. You did, dude. You did just take flight. J.D. McKissick joining us. You know, that obviously was the winning play on Sunday, but I think those who know the game know that you make winning plays all the time, whether it's that huge reception against the Giants or maybe the blitz pickup against the game or earlier in the game against the Falcons. How much pride do you take in the fact that your teammates know that they can count on you in big moments to make that big play, whatever it is? Man, I take pride in too. I take a lot of pride, man. Um, you know, just being that situational guy. Uh, whenever, whenever tough situations come up, you know, at the end of the game, being a part of the two-minute, two-minute drills, and just making those plays to help the team win the game, man. You know, I want to be reliable for these guys. Um, you know, and like I said, be a closer. Um, in those situations, I just seen Kobe Bryant. You know, whenever I'm tired, I don't, I can't come out of the game. Uh, whenever the ball is thrown to me, you know, I'm looking at it as a 70-30 um, chance that I, I should catch the ball over the defender, um, and I should make the play, and I should move the change and help the offense win the game or help this team win the game. J.D. McKissick is joining us. You also did this Q&A with fans on Bleacher Report this week. Somebody asked you about your quarterback, and your response was great. Quote, it started with, you're talking about baby Russell Wilson. I love that. From talking to your teammates and Taylor himself, I've had him on the show. Man, he's just got this this thing, right? This it, this attitude, this infectious. How would you describe his confidence, and then how much does that carry over to everybody else? Man, he's a very confident guy. First off, it carries over just to you know to have a quarterback in the backfield, and you know that got he want to do anything to win. I um, mean, he's a he's a great player. You know, he can run it, he can throw it, he can he can escape the pocket. Uh, you know that that's that's great to have on your team. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, he reminds me of baby Russell. He's a baby Russell Wilson. He reminds me of Russ. I got the opportunity to play with Russ for a couple of years. Man, he just got that same grit. You know that uh, that I want to win the game. I do whatever whatever it takes. Um, and like I said, you know when I first when I first met him. Um, and, and, you know, I heard he threw for 700 to 800 passes. You can just look in his eyes and you can tell he's a confident guy. You know, he's very confident in his abilities um, and, he, and he know what he could do. Um, and, and the way he came in with us, you know, last year and having – I don't know when the last time he was with um, Coach Turner, but to remember the offense, to, to only be here for a couple weeks and come in and, and run the offense, you know, at, at his best, you know, I think that, that, that tells a lot about a guy. J.D., I think it's really interesting what you just said. I could just look in this guy's eye. I mean, you've been around the game for a long time now. You've been in a couple of different stops. Can you essentially look at a guy and just know? I mean, can you could look a guy up and down or look in a guy's eye and just know whether or not he's got that grit, that that thing that you need to win? Can you tell by looking at a guy? Yeah, man. You know, you can, you can, you can tell, man. He wasn't trying to beat a tough guy when I when I seen him. You know, he was just relaxed when he got here. You, those are the ones that you know that can really ball. Relax. I'm very confident in my skills. I've been working – don't worry about it. I got me. You know, you know that's those guys you want on your team, man. Not a a, a raw, raw type guy. No, I feel you. J.D. McKissick joining us. You know who's done the work and who hasn't. Also, you made the point, like, when you signed with that team, Ron Rivera was talking about the fact that he knew that if you got more touches, you would put up serious numbers, and then you go out there and you do just that. What's it like to have a head coach who, who believes in you and gives you that opportunity, and you know you're not coming off the field, that you'll do whatever it takes, but you got to have that belief. Somebody's got to believe in you first. Is Rivera that guy, and what's that feel like to you? Man, it feels great, man. You know, just to be Atlanta, um, Seattle, Detroit, um, and then come here and you got Coach Rivera who's seen my potential. He's seen that I was able to make plays at those places with, you know, very little opportunity. Um, just to have a guy to believe in you, um, a player-coach type guy, you know, it, it means a lot for me, you know, and, and, and I'm going to give it everything I got, every every opportunity I have, man. But but like you said, though, to have that trust and, and a guy that finally let me spin and let me play and, 
and, and for me to show that I'm one of the, you know, I'm one of the best guys at, at, at what I does, man. You know, we got a lot of great players on this team, man. And just, just to trust me and believe in me, man, you know, it, it means a lot. You know, you know, I, I had the opportunity to be told no. You know, that's that's something we need in life to be told no. Um, and, and, and people to say that he can't do this and he can't do that. Um, but you just need one person. You know, when I was coming out, you know, for the draft, I went undrafted, but, you know, I had a coach, Coach Trooper Taylor, Coach Anderson, they all told me, Coach Pascal, you only need one team, right? You only need one team out of the 32 to give you an opportunity. And, and, and that's what I got, you know. And that's why I'm so thankful for Atlanta and Seattle and Detroit, um, you know, specifically Coach Bevel, um, Coach Coach Carrick, um, DQ, LaFleur, Raheem Morris. Um, and then, you know, to, 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 to show, you know, Matt Patricia, you know, all those guys, gave me an opportunity to come out and play and show what I could do and, and, and watching the football team really believed in me. J.D. McKissick is my guest. You know, you just said something that I, I didn't make this up. I learned this early on, though, in my career. And it's you're saying the same thing right now. It's so true. And I always say this. It's not how many no's. It's how many yeses. And you just need that one big yes. That's all it takes. You just need that right. one big yes, right? Right, right. Absolutely. You just need that one yes, man, that that, that – that one team to believe in you, you know, and, and, and one of the most important things is you got to believe, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't not believe because you got so many other people, you know, that's going to say what you can't do. You know, even you, you, you will say you can't do it at times, but Hey, at the end of the day, you got to believe, you got to know you can do it, man. You got to believe in your ability, your abilities, your preparation, your training, uh, and, and, and your attitude and your effort and, and you'll get it done, man. So let me ask you this really quickly. Like, you were saying the same thing when the team started 1-2. and two, You were talking about the fact that, hey, man, listen, we got a good team here. We just have to believe. Now, the win over Atlanta was not perfect, but does it feel like this is the start of clicking together and that the team can go on a run? Right, right. Every time you win, man, it builds confidence. You know, you go out and you play well um, and you get the W. It doesn't matter how, how you get to, You know, it's just at the end of the day, you got, you're filling up that first column. Um, and like you know, you know, we just need eleven guys doing the same thing, you know, doing doing their job, you know, executing the plan because it doesn't matter what the play call is, you know, you just you all need to execute it. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you know, getting that W, man, it, it builds confidence. You know, it, it you know it carries over in the next week. You know, guys are gonna fly around, be happy. You know, it, you know, when you get a win, you come in the building, man, everybody's happy. You get a, you get a L, you do one thing wrong, it's gonna be. It's going to be shown on film, you know, but if it was a W and you did something bad, you know, you get away with it. I like it. One last thought. Like, guys who go undrafted rarely play as long as you have in the NFL, and even a smaller number are scoring game-winning touchdowns against the team that waived them. Is there any part of you that wants to say to the Falcons and others that had a shot at you, hey, how do you like me now? I'm still here, and I'm making plays, and we're winning. How do you all like me now? Absolutely, man. I, I love Atlanta at the end of the day. You know, I appreciate all the other teams that gave me the chance. But, hey, I just needed them to realize that I can do it too. You know, I can make these plays. But you know how the game go, man. When, when you're second or you're third, you're not going to get as many opportunities as the guy that they really invested in. You know, so that's why I had to stay focused. I'm going to have to keep my head down. I had to keep working on my game. And, you know, deep down inside, I'm better. I know I'm better than these guys. You know, you just got to keep believing in yourself. And, and that's what I did, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, when I get the chance to play these guys, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a revenge game. Um, it's about the team. But, hey, you know, I'm, I'm always going to show guys what I can do, man. I'm going to step on the field and I'm going to give it everything I got, man, and put great things on tape, hopefully. I love it. Undrafted out of Arkansas State in 2016 and still making big-time plays. A running back for the Washington football team. Coming off a nice win. They've got a game against New Orleans on Sunday. That is a CBS game. J.D., much respect. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for doing that. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Kyrie missed practice yesterday. And on the surface, that would not seem like that big of a deal. But then the report comes out. Woj and Wendy report, quote, the Brooklyn Nets remain unclear on all-star guard Kyrie Irving's ultimate intentions to get vaccinated and have made no decision on whether the organization will accommodate him as a part-time player this season. End of quote. Just think about that sentence for a minute. Just reflect on that for one moment. The Nets are unclear if Kyrie Irving intends to get vaccinated. That's one thing, right? Then there's the second half of that that the organization has not yet made a decision as to whether or not they will accommodate him as a part-time player this year. According to Woj and Wendy, 
The team had been optimistic that Kyrie would ultimately get vaccinated, which means that he would be allowed to practice and play in New York this season. But now apparently they're not so hopeful anymore. And the expectation is that they will be without him for home games for the, quote, foreseeable future, end quote, which also means no practices as well. Steve Nash said yesterday the team would not move practices outside of New York to accommodate Kyrie Irving. I mean, think about that concept for a minute. Imagine the entire team having to move their operations so one guy can participate. The Nets will have one day outside of New York for the rest of the preseason. Monday's game in Philly. When the regular season starts, they have a six-game homestand early in the year that Kyrie would have to miss. And according to Woj and Wendy, if he remains unvaccinated, the team could have to decide whether to play him in road games or just keep him away from the team altogether. I mean, I don't know about you, but to me that is legitimately the dumbest and weirdest thing ever. The Brooklyn Nets have a chance to not only win a championship this year, but to be one of the best teams of all time. And their point guard, the guy who continues to put himself forward as a leader, will not get vaccinated. Remember, this guy had this to say as recently as last week. I know that uh, I'll be there every day, uh, no matter what. And, uh, you know, just be present for my teammates as, as one of the leaders on the team. That's an incredible thing to say. I know I will be there every day. Of course, when he said that, he wasn't even there. He said that by video. Let me spell this out. You cannot be a leader if you're not there. That's a simple fact. If you're not with your team... By choice, you cannot be a leader. Leaders are with their teams as much as possible, leading from the front. They're there as much as possible, and not only when it works for them. You cannot be a leader if you're a part-time player. You cannot be a leader if you only participate when it's convenient for you. I know about that concept that leaders eat last, but I've never heard somebody say, leaders work the least. Leaders participate the least. Leaders are only around half the time doing half the work that everybody else is doing all the time. Imagine being a teammate of Kyrie's and busting your ass throughout camp. And this guy just is not there. Like at what point do you start to get sick of that? At what point does that act start to wear thin? Extremely thin. How has it not already? This is the same guy who also said this last week. I know that the focus has to be at an all-time high, um, no distractions. And this was the last thing I wanted to create was more distractions or more hoopla, more you know drama around this. Urban Meyer cannot believe this guy's commitment to never creating distractions and then claiming that he didn't create a distraction. That was devastating. I mean, say what you want about Urban Meyer. At least he bailed on the team only for a few days. At least he quit on his job for only a couple of days and then showed up at work again. The Nets seemed to be worried that Kyrie could bail on the team for half the season. No home games, no home practices, no road games against the Knicks. Steve Nash will have to have a rotation for home games and a different rotation for games when Kyrie blesses the team with his presence. So that means guys are going to have to play different minutes at home than they will on the road. And they're going to get asked about it all the time. And there's nothing that guys hate more than being asked about somebody else who's not there to answer the question themselves. So are you going to tell me that this guy's committed to winning that this guy's committed to being the best. That this guy is committed to not creating distractions. This guy's brand is distractions. He's more focused on being a distraction than he is winning. At this point, what is the point? 
Honestly, is he just seeing how far this will go? Does he not want to play this year? And is he hoping that the Nets say, hey, you know what? Just don't even bother coming around. Because it sure seems like that. It seems like winning and leading his team are not that important to him. Like, even if he does get vaccinated now, he's already been a distraction for weeks on end. So if this is all some sort of grand, elaborate stunt that he's cooked up for who knows what reason, and he planned to get vaccinated all along at the last minute, why? Who cares? What was the point? And if the plan is to wait out the vaccine mandate in New York and hope that it gets lifted, why would you do that? Who cares about that? Everybody else on the team has done it. They all made a commitment to the team. They all made a commitment to each other. They all took the same variation on the approach of what Memphis Grizzly Desmond Bain had to say. Whatever happened down the road, like I would be fine knowing that I was one of those people that was at least trying to save the other people. Right? Exactly. But not Kyrie. Not the so-called leader of the team. Not the so-called guy who doesn't ever want to be a distraction. He's doing something else. Whatever the hell it is. I have no idea. But everybody else on that team is trying to achieve that one common goal, except this guy. Good night!